0: Welcome back in listeners to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a full house today of incredible guests. Joining us are four performers who are new to the Neo Futurist group. We have Amelia Bethel, Rent Whiteside, Maya Carter, and Jez Chung. They will now be performing with The Infinite Wrench, which is now playing through August at the Crane Theater. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting nyneofuturist.org. So why don't we go ahead and bring all of these wonderful guests into this wonderful conversation. Amelia, Brent, Maya, Jez, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. I am... So excited to learn more about The Infinite Wrench, about what all of you do, just it sounds fascinating. And all the work that each of you do sounds incredible. You all come from different backgrounds, and so this is going to be a great conversation. So why don't I start by asking you all, tell us a little bit about The Infinite Wrench. And Amelia, if I could start with you on that first.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So The Infinite Wrench is our ongoing attempt to perform 30 plays in 60 minutes. The ensemble every week creates new material and performs material that we've been working on for a while in this experiment. And the audience chooses the order. It's a real collaboration between performers and audience. And it's just really like athletic and fun and dynamic. And you never know what you're going to get. We'd say, if you've seen the show once, you've seen the show once.
0: I love that. Yes. Cause I was reading in the press release that it's a collection of two minute plays, which I was like, wait a minute, wait, what? So you were literally getting 30 different stories every night. So if I can bounce over to Maya for this, now I read that each of you get a five week individual run. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that is, that is correct in our, well, in in the beginnings of our beginning yes our first run our first run is five weeks amelia is actually the first of us to launch into being in the wrench on stage in front of folks so i am certainly giddy for amelia and all of us were at amelia's opening night and it was like very great very cool cool. very tender
0: ren i want to to jump to you for for this next question now, as Amelia has said and and Maya reiterated, you know, there's there are two-minute plays, there's 30 of them in the 60-minute period. Is it all one artist? Will it all just be you in that one performance? Or is there a lot of you in that?
3: No, there's an entire gang of us. There's, like, so many Neos. And when we go into the show, I think there's typically at least four, and it can go up into seven. And so our runs will be set apart so we're all going individually just to get like folded into the group but we'll work alongside our fellow neos and so when you come to a show like you know you might see me in a show one week and you might see a news or you might see jazz but the next week you come it could be a whole different batch of folks which means a whole different batch of plays so many different vibes so many different like layers and things to like work through and like audience participations it's so it's it really is like an when we say ongoing and ever-changing like we truly 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 mean that
0: that's amazing. So there's a set group of performers and they're adding you into it. Yeah. Think
3: of it, think of it like Saturday night live, but like downtown and like maybe on Coke. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like very it's like, it like but also like theater focused. So like you could like one play could be a very and and when we say like two at least two minutes the a play could also be like six minutes. So you could see a play, like the first play could be like a monologue, the next play could be like some crazy mess that's made on the stage. After that could be a dance piece. After that, it could be like some like play that happens not even inside the theater It happens on the corner of the crane. It, it really is like an fully expansive and like enlarging experience.
0: Wow. Jez, I want to bring you now into the conversation and I want to ask are these plays that you all are presenting, do you make them up on the spot or do you bring them already, you know, you've, you've hashed them out, you've written them and you're ready to present them to the, at the theater. So that too is part
4: of the audience participation at the end of each show, every Friday and Saturday night, year round. Also this, these shows are year round and the audience rolls a dice. And whatever the dice lands on is the number of plays that are cut. So for example, if on Friday night, a five is rolled, and then on Saturday night, a three is rolled, then there's eight new plays that are cut from the program. And what we call a menu is what we call the program. And then eight new plays are added. So each week, the members in the show pitch new plays, and then rehearse them, and then perform them. So as Brent was saying, it's different depending on the people, because so much of the neo-futurist aesthetic is about your lived experience. The four fundamental principles of neo-futurism is we are who we are, we are where we are, we are doing what we're doing, and the time is now. All that to say, what you're watching is all true and people are actually doing the things that they're doing. There's no pretending. So that's why it's so ever-changing because the show depends on the people's lived experiences that are in it, which is so exciting because really, when do we get to see that in New York theater for people for so much autonomy and agency to be put on a stage?
0: I love all that. Now I want to ask you all, how did you come upon this show? I mean, you're all from different backgrounds. Jez, I think you're from you're a Texas and Georgian performer, right? You're from Chicago. You know, we've got Brooklyn-based performers with us. How, how did you all stumble upon this show? And Maya, why don't I start with you first?
2: Yes, so I am I am one of the aforementioned Brooklyn-based folks. And pre-Brooklyn, I was at school on Long Island. I'm from Boston originally, um, Boston, Massachusetts. And one of my professors at the time was an early ensemble member. His name is Chris DePell. And he would talk about the show that they were doing at the time was called too much light makes the baby go blind. And he would talk about his experience with being a neo futurist and, you know, helping to sort of, you know, found the company and devise the things. And I was a little baby. I was like, what's devising? I'm not sure that sounds cool. And at the college, I went to um, Hofstra university, their program was at my time a bit focused on developing like a classical performer someone who could do you know really really give you Shakespeare really give it to you in a way and that was all very well and good but as I neared the end of my time there I craved a communal making experience I craved art and stories and the really awesome just experience of everybody coming together and like you're kind of building a boat underneath a blanket is how i think about a lot of theater experiences that i like like you know you're building the ship and nobody sees the ship and you're all you know that all the tools are being passed around and then you get it in front of an audience you take the blanket off and then here's this thing you made and i didn't audition for the company until this past cycle, but I'd, I'd seen, you know, the work since I'd been in the city and it really filled me. One of my uh, friends and colleagues who is an active neofuturist futurist right now, Katie Chalena, is awesome. And I saw the show when she cycled in and I was like, oh, wow, it looks like this now. That's fantastic. And it made me feel a lot of things and also terrified me. And I was like, hmm, what an interesting way to kind of, kind of, kind of kick perfectionism in the butt a little bit. That I think has also drawn me to wanting to be here and do this is to just risk big in front of people and fail and get up and try something else with support.
0: I love that. Amelia, what about you?
2: My
1: introduction to the neo-futurist was years ago and in Chicago, actually, where I was living at the time. I was like looking for a new project, and I came across a little audition posting for a group called the Drinking and Writing Theater, which I learned later was founded by Neo Futurist alum in Chicago, um, Stephen Mosqueda, and they did kind of a similar thing where basically we'd write two-minute plays and present them. It was a different format and a different point of view and a different mission, but since Steve had been a Neo Futurist for so long, I learned a lot about like writing short plays about writing about myself from him. And it was just like, like it opened up my creativity and my creative brain so much. Maya, like you, like my training up to that point had largely been like, I'm going to be an actor and I'm going to give you an eight by 10 headshot and present one comedic and one dramatic monologue. And I had quickly been getting very, very sick of that eight by 10 circuit. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fulfilling anymore. And I don't know. And I loved moving my muscles in this way and ended up going to grad school to like pursue an MFA in interdisciplinary theater because those exist apparently. Who knew? <laughs> and through that, I ended up in New York and I knew that there was a New York neo-futurist group here and I ended up having a friend in grad school who was a friend, Michael, who's a current neo-futurist as well. And we started chatting, and I went and saw the show a couple times, and I, like, remembered, oh, my gosh, yeah, I remember seeing the Chicago Neofuturist. I remember this work I was doing with Steve a few years ago. Like, I think this is something I want to pursue. And I auditioned twice. I auditioned the year before this one, so the last cycle. And I just – the callback weekend was the most wonderful weekend of making – end of meeting that I'd had in like such a long time. And even though I wasn't cast that year, I was like, I'll just keep coming back every year just to do this. Like this is so great. Like it's such a unique opportunity to get to tell stories about who I am and about what's making me tick right now in front of a group of some of the most brilliant creative people I've ever met. It's a great way to meet more brilliant creative people. And the same was true of this year when I got to meet Brent and Maya and Jez and so many other wonderful people. And I just feel very lucky that this year now has led to me being in this class with all you brilliant folks. Getting to, like, keep pushing it and keep challenging myself and, like, just have a space where, like, I'm encouraged to dream big and fail big and succeed big. Big, 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 big.
0: Love that. Jez, what about you? How did you come upon the Neo Futurists? so...
4: Ah, this must have been, I think, last fall. There is a show that I started watching called *A League of Their Own*, and while I was watching the show, there was an actor, Roberta Calendres, who I just really admired her acting. So whenever I see an actor I admire, I kind of go. Enter the rabbit hole of looking up their interviews and seeing where they trained and seeing their career path, especially if it's another queer actor of color, as I'm Asian American, I'm Korean American, I'm also queer. So I'm always looking for blueprints of who is who kind of doesn't fit the archetype of the people that we mostly see in film, TV, theater, and how how do they do it? And so while I was doing research, I saw that Roberta Kalindras was part of the Neo Futurist. And immediately the name sounded so cool to me because I'm a writer also. I'm I've been writing for all all my life. And so much of what I write about is thinking about how to build better futures. And so anything about futurism, I love. And so I started to go through the Web's neo futurist website and look at their philosophy. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I think this is what I've been looking for because what I've been doing over the past few years is I actually had a career in advertising that I was building, and then I kind of had a wake-up call during the pandemic, realized I am an artist, I need to pursue my art full-time, and I quit my job to write a book and to pursue acting and pursue public speaking and other creative interests. So as I was doing this, I've been taking acting classes, and a lot of them are really inaccessible. I'm multiply neurodivergent, I'm autistic, ADHD, I experience chronic depression, anxiety, on top of being, you know, Korean and queer and all these things, so a lot of spaces just feel really exclusive. They don't feel inclusive for me. They don't feel accessible for me. They don't feel welcoming for me. And I had really negative experiences, so I was feeling discouraged. And then I found New features Such the fundamental philosophies of it just felt so inclusive and inviting. And then I went to go take a workshop. They just so happened to be doing a workshop, so I took a workshop sometime this this past winter. And toward the end of that workshop, they said they were doing auditions. And I just immediately day one in the workshop, I thought, I think I found my people. These are people that are really expressive, really playful. And this whole point of, you know, failing and not, and really letting go of perfectionism. I think in the first class they taught, if you fail 90 times, you've learned 90 things. So think about every everything that you do as a learning experience. And for me, I just really, I I love that philosophy. And then I decided to audition and I was really intimidated because I don't have experience in theater. I don't have training in theater, but I love performing and I love acting. I love storytelling. I love writing. So I thought, let, let's let just go for it. And I really put my all into it. And it was amazing experience being in in this audition cohort with all the people here. And we just kind of really vibed off of each other too. And we were all helping each other with our setups and just kind of like, Oh, what do you need? What do you need? And I thought, Oh, this, like this is what I want. This art making is so vulnerable. So we need care in the process. We need to care for each other in the process. And there was just automatically this culture within the Neo futurists of let's care for each other while we do this work of art making. And that's why that's why it was a full yes for me. Also, the show is very ADHD friendly for people listening who are like, I can't really sit through shows. Like this is so ADHD friendly because everything's so short and quick and dynamic and engaging.
0: I love all that. Love all that. What a great environment. Thank you for sharing that. And rounding us out with this, Brent, how did you come upon the neo-futurists?
3: Lordy okay so my story goes back 10 years ago (laughs) showing my age um so I spent a little bit of time in school in uh theater school before piecing out and while I was there my the acting school that I went to had a lot of rules for acting majors and like especially freshmen like you couldn't do shows at at, for a certain time you couldn't audition for certain things Mm -hmm. and so I kind of and also was had a very small like POC black population so of course like those folks kind of just like stuck together And so a lot of the upperclassmen were um, of color. And so they kind of like ushered me in. And there was one friend of mine who I believe the Neo Futurists came and did like a little workshop for their class. And they were also frustrated just with like, going back to what everyone else has, like, basically said, like, the whole, like, 8 by 10 like, you need to have, like, an August Wilson monologue. Like, you have to be, like, versed in, like, here, learn this Othello thing, even though that doesn't necessarily make sense. And so we were, like, you know, like, what can we do? So they decided to put up their own, like, makeshift near York show. Mm-hmm. And they needed, like, a producer and a stage manager. So I, like, helped them, like, sound design it, and I, like, uh, called the show for them. And then maybe, like, that next semester, I ended up actually dropping out, of the university and moving to New York for another theater related thing that also didn't like really pan out, but I stayed in the city and just never told my parents that I like lost that job. It just like got a job at Panera Bread. (laughs) and so i continued to like push the grind and like try to get into theater i played the like you know i don't even know if it still is this game but like people used to get up at 6 a.m and like stand outside of open calls like i was that kid like i was like there i like had my like big binder i was like you know i had like my songs and i was like here's my legit piece like i'm ready book me for this theater works tour and it just was not working out and i did a little bit of regional work a little bit of like work in new york a little bit of film stuff and like nothing was really panning out but i worked with this one company and they were like oh we like your mind like why don't you like work in our production office and like through that i kind of fell into a whole different sphere of uh, making money and kind of sort of walked away from theater for a bit because tv and like producing and documentaries just kind of opened up to me but then like jazz during the pandemic I kind of had like a come to Jesus moment and was like, I actually hate this and I am not having fun because even though you're like making docs and you're making TV and thing, it's still very much corporate, bureaucratic, like suit heavy space. And you're like still like constricted to like what, you know, numbers and things say and not necessarily like what people want or like what you want to do or, like, what makes sense for, like, communities, cultures, X, Y, and Z. And so I was like, you know what? I want to, like, try something else. And I was just thinking about, like, I really want to get back into theater. But I am not standing in no one's open call eye again. <laughs> and so I was just thinking, like, what are some different things that I could do? So I took a workshop for the New York Futurists. Because I remember seeing some shows in Chicago. And I saw, like, maybe one or two shows, like, when I first got to New York in, like, 2014. But hadn't really, like, been around. And I was like, let me just see what's up. So I took a workshop. And Catherine Ayale taught it, and I loved it. I had, like, a blast. Like, probably, like, some like the best, like, two days that I had at the tail end of the pandemic that, like, really just, like, shifted everything and put a lot of in focus for me. And I was like, I think I want to audition for this. But I was like, but, like, I want to meet the people. And so I actually started volunteering with the theater and just, like, working in the box office. So I worked in the box office for, so, like, maybe, like, five months before the audition even happened. I was like, okay, I met some folks. I kind of like them. I think I'm going to audition. And then it has to be said that like, so like there were two auditions, so there was like an initial audition that people came to, a callback, and then the callbacks were split. And so in our callback was everyone you're seeing on this call now. And so I think it's like really important to like note that like we all were really in the trenches and ushered into this together and to be on the other side of this is like really beautiful. And, And at the top of the year, I was very much like, I do want to like find my community and I do want to like get creative and get back into like, you know, sharing things and like, and just doing like what makes me happy. And I didn't realize that like all those things will like be intertwined. And so it just feels right, you know, but like a very long time coming. Like, I didn't know that I would, this is where I would end up. I thought I would be like doing who knows what.
0: I love that. What great answers from all of you. This is a fantastic group. I want to ask my last two questions of the first part. And I want to split them among all of you. I want to start by asking what is the message or thought that you're hoping audiences will take away from the show? And Amelia, I'm going to start with you on that.
1: I mean, I think the thing that I hope people take away when they see the infinite wrench is understanding that their stories are valuable. I really hope that watching so many people with so many like different experiences and different lives and different points of view, seeing them present their own stories from the very like grand to the very, very minute. I hope that that gives people permission to believe that like their lives are valuable and beautiful and cool and like worth sharing with the world. Cause they really are. They really, really are.
0: And Brent, what about you? What's the message or thought you hope audiences will take away?
3: Hmm. This is tough. Plus one to everything Amelia just said. Plus one, plus one. I also want people to come to the show and just know that there is so much more to theater than just what you may see in a commercial or on forty second street. Like I think there's some really beautiful things happening downtown and I and I hope that people come and see this show and are maybe more inclined to go see that thing that they always see or that thing that's like on a poster and like give it a shot and not just and, and because you know they're inclined to it not because like an ad like told them to so I, I hope that people just like get back into theater and just like start seeing stuff and like experimenting
0: yes oh my gosh yes my final question for this first part I want to ask over to Jez and Maya and that's who do you hope have access to the show and Maya I'm going to start with you with that
2: Well, okay, first and foremost, I am always looking to provide access for and to my people. That is Black people, that is Black queer people, that is Black trans people, that is Black neurodivergent people, that is Black people who are dealing with mental illness, that is Black people who are dealing with issues of lack and insecurity, that is people who have not always been told that like art and creativity is their birthright and that so like truly a what i just said but then b anybody who has felt barred or has been systematically barred from artistic expression from creative liberatory practice from as Amelia said, knowing that their stories are valuable and that what they have to say and that the way that they want to express it, like deeply, deeply, deeply matters.
0: That is a great answer. And bringing us home, Jez, who do you hope have access to the show?
4: Oh, everything everyone said so far, everything Amelia, Brent and Maya just said, especially amplifying the part about I would love for neurodivergent people to come and see this as an autistic person. As autistic ADHD, ADHD person, I do find a lot of shows really hard to sit through, especially as someone with such deep values. I'm a student of disability justice, of abolition, of transformative justice, of just all the social movements of our time. And I see the importance of equity, inclusion, accessibility, and I just don't see that often reflected in theater. And I go see a lot of shows in New York, and this is such a city with so much vibrancy and so much diversity. And to not see that reflected is such a shame. And I will say there's definitely still work to do, like even within the building. I, I think that there's a lot that we can do in terms of making it more accessible uh, physically for wheelchair user, power chair, chair users, um, people with mobility aids. But I do think that it is really a truly special show in that it just speaks to the power of story and power of really understand the power the power of your voice and also i think this is A show for people who have big feelings who feel things deeply and who care about the world there's always a a few pieces a minimum few pieces in the show that talk about what's going on in the state of the world from you know the necessity of trans liberation and standing up up for trans rights being in solidarity with trans people um there's a lot there's been a lot of plays in recent shows about that topic so Just know if you care about the world and you feel big, this is the show for you. And you can, especially, I would also recommend people go on nyneofuturist.org and then look up the people in the ensemble, get to know people and follow on Instagram and see who's going to be in the show and get to know them because that's really who you're going to see in the show. And that's what's beautiful about it.
0: I want to shift things up now on the second part of our interview and give our listeners the chance to get to know all of you a little bit better. And I want to start by asking you all, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows inspire you or do you love? And Brent, can we start with you on this one?
3: Oh my God, this is such a tough question because my brain and the things that I'm watching right now, like I should not even be speaking publicly about. (laughs) I watch, like, a lot of Housewives and, like, chaos television, you know? Like, I literally indulge in nonsense and love to, like, break things up in, like, chaos energy. But, like, but to answer your question, obviously, I like, so I love Stephen Sondheim, obviously, and actually did, like, a Stephen Sondheim piece. Like, I wrote, like, a little Stephen Sondheim piece for my audition, <laughs> Cra- like, crazily enough. Like, really, like, shot really, really big there, but yeah, like I'm really inspired by like so many different things. Like I literally like wake up every day and I'm like and like fall in love with like so much and like get inspired by. It. And now really being a part of this show, like it's really actually coming to me because like I'll see something. Like the other day, I was even telling my mentor about this. I was I was seeing some. I saw like some, like a pair of strings, like just little like red strings, and I was like, "Ooh, strings!" and wrote that down. And like that might be a play one day, <laughs> like and I don't even know. But yes, composers like Stephen Sondheim. I'm really moved. I saw Ain't No More this past season. So moved by Jordan Cooper and just like how theater can be so chaotic and they can literally transform and move and then go back and then go further and then like bring it back and like go even further. Whitney White, a director. I literally follow her everywhere. She is amazing. Um, Alicia Harris. There's so many, like, uh, amazing, amazing things happening right now in the theater scene. And people are really, like, playing with, like, the format, I feel, and, like, what it, you know, like, what theater can be and, like, where it can go. But, like, obviously, like, the greats. I love Audra McDonald. Like, my God norm lewis like my god <laughs> this is how this is so tough i'm I, I literally love everyone and i'm so inspired by everyone this is literally part of the reason why i even came to new york like like hey, what we said earlier i'm from chicago like we our theater scene is actually like really popping now but growing up it wasn't like super accessible to me and so a lot of my childhood was literally spent on youtube just like watching like all of the like burned and like a bootleg like broadway shows like i remember seeing like legally blonde because someone just like sat in the back of a house and like recorded it. And that was like my experience, like a Broadway show or like even seeing like a performance of Pippin as a kid or like into the woods and like all these different things. And I know that's probably like pretty taboo to say, but like all those things that made me want to move to New York and like go experiences for myself. So yeah, I, I think everyone. <laughs> Love <laughs> that. question.
0: Maya, what about you?
2: Okay, big plus one energy to the things that Brent just said. Big wow. And I also want to uplift the work of Erica Dickerson Dispenza, who has a show about the public right now called Shadow Land and is constantly writing um, into and in conversation with the legacy of Intozaki Shange, the legacy of Black. Women writers writing into things that some folks would consider marginalia and like bringing them as central, writing into the lived experiences of people who lived through Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Erica's really great, the work is really great, it shines. The folks in it, I'm what stars. I am inspired by artists that are like in my peer group. I'm inspired by actors like Star Kirkland and Denise Manning and Alana Raquel Bowers and I am inspired by actors like Malik Ray and I am inspired by also things found just in the street. The other day I was walking around in Bushwick and somebody threw a pair of angels the wings away and they were just in a trash can and I too took a picture of the angel wings in the trash bag and said is it a play is it a poem who's to know is it just for me and to cry about later we'll see I am inspired by the work of these three incredible individuals truly when I tell you that I sat in that callback and watched all of the pieces that they made specifically for that day like I, my, my heart like leapt out of my chest and my feet and my hands. And it's just so cool to be in community with people who make really, really awesome things. And so many people here in New York and everywhere make really awesome things. And if I didn't say a name, please charge it to my head and not my heart because I love so many people. Okay.
0: Love that as well. Jazz. who inspires inspires you? Definitely
4: to that point uh, that Maya said so beautifully, community, like anyone who is for their community. I'm always kind of building my lineage of artists and thinkers that I really admire who really ground themselves in collective power. And I love Lauren Hansberry's work. I went to go see the sign in Sidney Brunstein's window at BAM. There was this really beautiful quote in the exhibit that might still be there, but um, she said, the thing that makes you exceptional is also the thing that makes you lonely. And that really hit me in my heart. I'm really inspired by Grace Lee Boggs, who's a Chinese-American a philosopher and community organizer who passed away a few years ago. And she says, transform yourself to transform the world. So that's a philosophy that I really live by. I'm inspired by New York has the best drag in maybe the whole world. And we're so lucky to just see some of the best drag performances. My friend, West Dakota, is such an amazing performer. Every time I go see her in a show, I'm just so inspired by how innovative and creative and eloquent she is. I'm inspired by musical theater, too, to Brent's points. I love Funny Girls, my favorite musical of all time. I love poetry. I'm a poet, so I'm really inspired by the works of Audre Lorde and Ocean Vong and June Jordan. I love anything in the Asian diasporic canon from Wong Kar Wai to any Miyazaki film. I love also all the the art that we're getting from disabled storytellers, like Ryan Haddad's Dark Disabled Stories that just finished at the public. It was so, 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 so good and really showed a really innovative way to show access, the fold access into the experience in a way that elevated the whole experience, like access truly elevates everything. And lastly, I'm definitely inspired by all of the conversations I have with my friends. I think conversation is one of my favorite creative practices. And so every time I'm in conversation with my other QTPOC friends, my disabled, my neurodivergent friends, I feel like we are ideating on how to build a better worlds. So I always leave
1: conversations feeling inspired. I love that. Finally, Amelia, who or what inspires you? Man, I'm very grateful. I got to go last for this because when I'm asked for like a favorite, if you asked me my favorite book, I'd be like, I've never read a book in my life. I don't know. Recently, like I've been interacting with Fornez's work a bit more. She's always been someone who has like just been deeply important to me and like opening up my mind about like what theatrically we can aspire to. I've been trying to slowly read my way through Jose Esteban Munoz, who is a queer Latinx theorist. Amazing. Really, like, you got to chew on it and your jaw's going to hurt, but it's worth it because it'll osmose its way into your brain and your body. And it's very hard, but it's very exceptional. And then this this is going to sound silly, but I'm trying to toot my own horn a little bit more. I really like going back and reading my own work sometimes when I'm feeling like really low and like... I can't do it because there's so many things that I have created that I'm really proud of that I like try to, you know, I want to remember that I'm capable of that. So like, that is something I do look at my own stuff. I have so many brilliant, creative friends, creative people in my community. These three, ah, gorgeous. And I've also been very inspired recently. I used to be a professional burlesque dancer and I've been trying to like see more burlesque now that I'm in New York, which has some incredible burlesque. And so like, seeing those shows has been so exciting. Julie Atlas Muse is a performer who, whose work I just think is stunning and like so lovely. Yeah. And just, I go see, go see a little, little naughty strip show if you can. I think it'll (laughs) expand minds. All our bodies are just these wonderful vessels of creativity and expression. Yeah. And, I don't know. I've just, I've been very inspired to be in the you know, futures community recently. Like since I've started being in the show, that's just been a lot of like who I'm seeing and the work that I'm seeing. And it's been so fulfilling. It's really filled up my cup. Like I'm overflowing with like, I don't know, gratitude and energy and creativity. And it feels, feels really, really wonderful. Well, let me ask my favorite question to ask guests,
0: and I'm excited to hear all of yours. And it's, what is your favorite theater memory okay jez jez what is your favorite theater memory
4: the first time i ever saw a musical and i think it was chicago Mm -hmm. classic and i think i was in high school or college i came up to new york for a trip and i just remember getting full body tingles And I started crying the opening number. I was crying tears. And I thought that was, I fully thought that was a normal experience for everyone for years and years and years. And it wasn't until I was in therapy one day and I was, you know, having this existential crisis of what am I doing with my life? And I was, and my therapist, you know, asked me something about like, when was, you know, time you felt really passionate or alive? And I was like, well, whenever I watch theater, my, I just start crying. And she was like, I think that's something to listen to. I think your body's telling you something. And so, yeah, the first, I'll never forget that. The first, like the curtain opens and, you know, everyone's like in their positions and the orchestra, you, the live music is playing and I'm just like, oh. <gasps> This, this is what life is about. And I would like to be a part of this. And that's how I think the seed was planted that I'd want to be in a musical one day.
0: I love that. It's a great memory. Amelia, can we jump to um, you?
1: Yes. Again, I'm gonna have five more that I'll think of in three hours. But the first one that popped to the front of my brain, which I think is the one I need to share, is when I was getting ready to move out of Chicago, I decided to like put together a little show with like people i gotten to know over the years and like performers I really admired is like basically my own little going away party. I was just like, I want to see all the people who I think are brilliant, like do what they want to do. And that was so wonderful and joyous. And also at the time my mom was coming out to help me move and she's a real ham. I come by it honestly. And she had told me recently about a bit she used to do where she'd do an abridged version of Hamlet with Barbie dolls. That was fucking filthy. Like it was like, five minutes long. There was so much cursing. There was so much sex. It was just like, (laughs) it was absolutely ridiculous. And she told me about it. And I was like, you're going to be here. Like, can you bring the Barbies and like do the abridged Hamlet at this show? And she was like, okay, yeah. (laughs) So she did it. She was She like got up there and like did this like unhinged, like debaucherous performance in front of all my friends. And it was just a really nice, wonderful moment to like, I don't know, introduce my like my chosen family to like my blood family and like have them like get to share this like really like wild moment. I don't know. I felt like it brought me closer to literally everybody who was in that room. And it was also just so much fun. So that's what came to my head.
0: I love that, and I want to see this Hamlet right away. Like, I'm, but I'm going to email you further. all when I'm coming to your show, and I'm going to be like, "I need Hamlet tonight with Barbie dolls." <laughs>
1: I'll learn the Barbie Hamlet. <laughs> I'll bring it to New York. <laughs> yes,
0: Maya. What about you?
2: I know you said one. Okay, I have two, but uh, okay. they're, they're 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 short. Okay, okay, okay. So. I grew up in Boston and I would go see this company called Actor Shakespeare Projects and work when I was in high school and they're really beautiful. And I just had a really gorgeous full circle moment of being able to like work with them as an actor um, for the first time professionally this past January through the beginning of March. But when I was a small high schooler, we went to go see their 12th night. It was my senior year and it was the most i feel that oftentimes people be doing twelfth night and they don't really be thinking all that much about how griefy it is and it was just this particular rendering was just so unbelievably sad and joyful and funny but also sad and it made me cry and then secondly when i was younger than that i think i saw i think mary poppins did its like tryout in boston before broadway because i remember that i saw I've seen two different versions of Mary Poppins and they changed the like naughty children number. It used to be very scary and then the kids were too scared and then they switched it. But when Bert began to tap up the proscenium and around and walk down the other side in step in time, when I took, I had never in my, whew, I'd never in my life seen anything like that. And to this day, it is still a core, 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 deep memory in me. I wept and left out of my seat and i i just like could not handle it and then mary poppins also floated over over the audience a couple times in the show and that also like killed me yeah no it it was it was everything just the commitment and the joy and the color and like the 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 story the sheer physical brilliance (sighs) okay
0: you're you're not alone on that that was a great memory you're not alone bringing us home brent he can't hide from us anymore (laughs)
3: I was just plugging in my computer.
0: Oh, um, what's your favorite theater <laughs> memory?
3: I actually have so many, but they're all in one story. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm from Chicago, grew up mostly on the south suburbs, Went a whole lot of theaters, but there was this small college called Governor State and they had this theater that they would use to like make money and have like different shows and tours and regional shows and like Broadway tours come in and they were rented out and they would put shows up. And so I found out about this and I was like, oh, I want to see these shows, but like these tickets are so expensive. So I started ushering for them. And and I was maybe like when I first started ushering, I maybe was like 12 or 13 and everyone else was like over 60 and like lots of married couples. And they all knew that I wanted to do theater. I was very much into it and they would let me. Like once I would get done with all my touring responsibilities, like sit in whatever open seat in the back of the house and watch the show. And so I've seen Hairspray so many times that way. I've seen like every, I've seen a Nutcracker for like seven years straight <laughs> that way. I've seen like, so I've seen like Junie B. Jones, like literally any show that will come in there, like whether it was like a school show during the day, like a Broadway tour, I would go see it. And that was really how I spent like a lot of my uh, nights and weekends back in Chicago. And And I saw like so, 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 so. So, so, so many great things. Like, Junie B. Jones. <laughs> so many different school productions, they were like so good. And everyone was so sweet and like really nice and like really let me like do work and then like watch the show.
0: I love that. What great memories all of you have shared. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Are there any other productions or projects that any of you have coming on the pipeline? I also just want to mention that I I did see that the new Neos have a family-friendly show that's happening in the summer and fall. Also, there's a Pride show on the 23rd and 24th, if anybody wants to talk about that. But also, maybe any of you have some personal projects coming in the pipeline. So I'll just let you jump in and and tell us anything you want to tell us.
3: I'll first say that our shows are coming down the pipeline. Like right now, if you want to see Amelia, she's in until the twenty 20- I've second? been
1: until the twenty-seventh.
3: The twenty-seventh, right. And then I'll go of in May. on the right. And I'll go in on the twenty sixth of May and me and Amelia hang out for that one weekend. And I'll be in the show through through June. Um there also will be a Pride show at the end of June that you can come out and see. And we'll literally will create an entire show all around Weirdness.
2: <laughs> and listen and the, infinite pride, the infinite pride is low-key maybe what made me want to do the infinite wrench it's
3: yes.
2: so
1: good every year it's incredible and i want to
3: say it's the, 20, it's the 22nd and the 23rd i'll be in it so if you want to see me do some pride stuff it's the um,
2: 23rd and the 24th
3: the 23rd 24th thank you thank you yes oh you got you yes and then i believe jez you go in after me right yeah
4: I'm in
2: August. I start August the first.
4: So,
3: so Maya, you're next. And when do you go in?
2: I go in at the beginning of July, end of June. (laughs) Question mark. Yeah, I, yes, yes, like July. Um, let me okay i'm looking at a calendar i'm going to not
3: as you can see we're really out. we're really good at our jobs and we're so I'm gonna
0: roll the dice out. and say <laughs> june 30th
2: yes june 30th june 30th baby Boom.
3: yes and then jazz is gonna round us out and then we'll literally we'll do it all over again and then we'll have more shows in the fall so like any one of these weekends you just have to come to the crane you're gonna see us and you're gonna gag so come <laughs>
4: And this shows 50 weeks through the throughout the year. so you can come any Friday, any Saturday. I will say it is a late it's late night entertainment, 10: 30 p.m, but it's 1,000 percent worth it. Just go get dinner before and then go to sleep right after if you're like me and you are you need to be in bed by midnight.
0: And the neighborhood is amazing in that area. Great bars, great restaurants yeah. in that area. I love hanging out in that area. It's, and
3: it's an hour show. So you're in and you're out. Like we're not going to hold you over. There's not going to be an intermission. No second act number. Like we're going to give it to you and we're all going to go home. And then we also have some family shows coming up that you can um check out our website for. These would be like all inclusive for like you, your kids, your nieces, nephews. And if you want more information about those, you can just like follow us on Instagram at NY Neofuturist. Right. And check out our website. yeah Yeah, we have so many things going on we also have like different workshops and classes going on so like yeah like literally click around our website and there's like literally anything that you may need we got it
1: i am just gonna say like check out the tank's season announcement when it comes out that's all i can say at the moment so
3: work
0: good lead okay
1: I have a book coming out
4: next spring. It's called This Way to Change and it's with Chronicle Books and it's a book of poems and short excerpts and practices. So it's a very interactive, and it's all about the intersection of personal and collective change. It's about healing. It's about finding queer community. It's about the power of friendship. It's about understanding how we can answer all the calls to action that we're hearing and really transform ourselves to transform the world, as Grace Lee Boggs said. And then I just launched a podcast also this week called Dreaming Different, and it's with Dean Journal. And you can find that on any podcast platform. And Dreaming Different is a conversation with artists and world builders and cultural philosophers about how we can build the future through a neurodivergent lens.
0: Amazing.
2: To talk a little bit more about the our family-friendly shows, they will function just like the infinite wrench. So that's 30 plays and that's um, and they are for all ages and it's gonna be really cool and sweet i i i'm a teaching artist um, and so i'm a big lover of things you can bring intergenerational groups of people to those are gonna be cool we're booking uh so if you want that to happen for you go to the website for any more information
1: you can also email uh yes. info in org if you want to like bring the wrench, the um, family-friendly wrench to like your school or your community or wherever.
0: Well, that's a perfect segue to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about the Infinite Wrench or about any of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? You all mentioned the nyneofuturist.org and also the Instagram handle at nyneofuturist. Also that email, info at nynf.org. Would any of you like to leave any personal information or handles that our, get, our listeners can follow you at?
3: Yeah, I'll say too, like our, all of our emails at um, the near Futures So just our first names at um, nynf.org. So there's also that if you want to hit me up on the business side. I'm on the internet as O Brent, O H H B R E N T, everywhere. Even my website, O Slide into my DMs. Talk to me nice.
1: Yeah, I live the uh, private Instagram life, but I love emails weirdly. Yeah. Amelia at nynf.org. Amelia is spelled like Amelia Bedilia, A-M-E-L-I-A.
2: I too, at the moment, am a private Instagram devotee, mostly because sometimes my students are like, but Maya, where can I? And I'm like, mm, I'm ch- no, it's too, it's too young. I can't do it. Um, so also please send me an email at m-a-y-a at NYNF.org.
4: And I'm at Jez Chung on Instagram, J-E-Z-Z-C-H-U-N-G. You can look up my work at jezchung.com and also jez at
0: nynf.org. Amazing. Amelia, Brent, Maya, and Jez, thank you so much for speaking with me today. You all are amazing. This show sounds amazing. Everything you've shared today has been amazing. So thank you all so much for taking the time to share with me and our listeners this incredible show.
3: Thank you for having us. Thank you for
0: having us. us. My guests today have been the new performers who are new to the Neo-Futurists, Amelia Bethel, Brent Whiteside, Maya Carter, and Jez Chung and you can catch them over the next few months as part of the Infinite Wrench, which is playing now through August and beyond at the Crane Theater. Tickets and more information are available at nyneofuturist.org. And we will have all of this information as well as all of the myriad of contact information from our guests posted on the episode description as well as on our social media. But if you're looking for a great thing to do on a Friday or Saturday night, especially after a show you've seen, head on down to the fabulous crane, check out this great show. And and over the next few months, you're going to see one of our amazing guests as they get folded into this great company. So don't miss out on the infinite wrench now through August and beyond at the crane and get your tickets right away. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones,
1: unwrap your candies,
3: and keep talking about the theater. stage whisper. Thank you.